I jump into the message. How many had a chance to uh, share the gospel with somebody this past week? One, two, three, four, five. About six people. Chance to share the gospel. Um, we're always thankful when God gives us those opportunities. And uh, before we make it a point to pray every week, and so I'd like to pray before we jump into the message. Father, we thank you for the gospel that has changed our lives. And we thank you for all the people that were involved, people that cared about us, people that loved us, people that were patient with us, and someone who shared the gospel with us. And so we, we pray for uh, people who are maybe pondering the gospel or people who have yet to be prepared to hear it. We thank you for those that heard the gospel this week, and we pray that it would just bear fruit in the lives of people. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are on the last message in the book of Ecclesiastes, an Old Testament book, which I admitted early on, I have put off studying this, preaching on this book for 40 years. Now, I, I kind of comfort myself in that there's, there's 52 books in the, in the Bible. And so you, know, you, can, you have to pick one. And, and so, but I have just kind of, I'll do that one later. I'll do that one later. Now I wish I'd have done it a long time ago. And I've, I've heard people say that they have enjoyed this book. And I was thinking this week, you know, I've really enjoyed the book. Why is that? And so I was thinking through it, one of the, just a few things. One is, it's a really honest book, and it says some of the things that probably all of us have thought, but maybe some of us didn't, didn't want to say it. Like, you know, sometimes life really doesn't make sense, and sometimes God doesn't really make sense to me. Things he allows in my life, the way he, if he's so powerful, why, you know, why do things happen? I, I've enjoyed it because I think we can all relate to try and find happiness in our lives through more money or through sexuality or through you know, all the different things, through being popular, through work, all the things that Solomon tried. And so we can all relate to those kinds of things. It's, we're not talking about doctrines of atonement here. You know, big words and theological things. We're talking about really down-to-earth, real-life living, where we all live it. And so I've appreciated that. I've appreciated the fact that Solomon here in this book really encourages us to enjoy life. To enjoy every day. To realize that every day is a gift from God. And, you know, often we, we can think about something negative in our lives... And yet God has blessed us with, with all kinds of, of things. And so we're just thankful for that. You can pray for uh, Jeff Murray this week. Uh, Jeff was helping in a, in a garage and, and uh, the ladder collapsed. So he fractured his pelvis in five places. And <clears throat> so he was up at Aspirus. And if, if you know anything about Jeff Murray's um, um, theology, this was ordained before the creation of the world, so how can you argue with that, right? <laughs> so uh, he, he was in good spirits, but that wasn't in his plan. And those things happen in our lives, and 
we often don't really have an answer for why those things happen. And also, it just reminds us, the book reminds us of what's really important in our lives. So this morning, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to walk through, we've been going through this now for months, and so I'm going to walk through the book in the first half of the message, and I'm just going to pull out some of the major themes that we've talked about. So this is going to be kind of like a review. If this is the first time you're here, you're going to get the whole series in one morning, all right? So please don't be overwhelmed, but I'm just going to walk through and just hit on these briefly, and then we'll come to chapter 12, and I'll just give some concluding thoughts on that. So here's the first one. Life is really short. You know, when you're young, life seems like it's long, but the older you get, the shorter it seems, which really shouldn't make sense, should it? Because the older you are, the longer you've lived, and yet life seems shorter. But that's how it is. The word here that is used, and it starts off, you know, in in the very beginning of Ecclesiastes. He says, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Some Bibles say vanity, vanity, everything's vanity. And the word there, actual, the actual word is, uh, is the word hebel, H-E-B-E-L. It means it's translated vanity, meaningless, and I came across another word this week that translates that. It's from a translation called the voice. And it uses the word fleeting. And I like that word because I think life is meaningful, but it's fleeting. You know, something that's fleeting is something that's here, but it... You have a feeling like it's kind of passing away and you can't hold on to it. And hebel literally means vapor or like smoke. You ever tried to, have you ever tried to hold on to smoke or vapor? You, you just, you can't hold on to it. And so that's kind of what life is like. We're in a good moment. It's a good time in our lives. But you know what? It's, it's going to, we know it's going to change. We can't, we can't hold on to it. A picture's worth a thousand words. Here's a picture that I thought, this is a great picture of life. You know, somebody went to a lot of work to build a very beautiful sandcastle. But if you look at that picture, you know, you know how precarious that sandcastle is. You can see the water already washing around the edges of it. You know that that sandcastle is one wave, right? One big wave away from destruction, from being gone. In fact, you know this, by tomorrow morning, it will be gone because the tide's coming up, it's inevitable, and every sandcastle on that water's edge tomorrow will be gone and people will walk that shore and they'll never never even know that that sandcastle existed. That's what Solomon says our lives are like. Like a sandcastle. Not only is it fleeting, but we know that one day it will be gone. That's just a reality that we have to live with. So here's the impact of that. The impact of that is it's really important to live in today. I mean, maybe you're thinking about tomorrow, or maybe you're thinking about next week, or maybe you're thinking about next month. We ought to just live today. Because there are things that God has today, blessings that he has, that we just need to take one day at a time and just live in the day. Because life is short. Here's the second thing. 
another theme, and that is nothing under the sun truly satisfies us. You know, we're always pursuing these things, and it's, it's frustration, you know, because often our goals get blocked and we can't achieve what we want. And, and yet then we have someone like Solomon here who achieved everything he wanted and yet didn't find what he wanted. You know, this isn't some wannabe guy who thinks, you know, it'd be great to have all the money in the world. This is a guy who had all the money in the world. They tell us in today's economy that Solomon would be worth about $300 billion. That's about four times the wealthiest man. You know, that's four, about four times the wealth of, of Bill Gates. So this guy had all the money, and he said, it didn't do it for me. Uh, he found out that sex wasn't the answer. On any given night, he had a choice of over a thousand of the most beautiful women in the land. He said, that's not the answer. Work. He, they, it says he had 3,600 foremen working for him and about 150,000 workers, not just building buildings, but building cities. He built many cities, fountains, gardens, you know, creativity, and yet that didn't make him happy. He was the most popular man on the face of the earth. And so he had all these things and he said, you know what? There's, there's nothing under the sun that can, that's going to do it for you. You're going to pursue it all. You're going to think you're going to find it here. You're going to find it there. And you're going to get there. And you're going to realize there's just something that's still missing. There's just something that's still missing. We see here that if you don't find a foundation to build your life on that's beyond just things under the sun here, you're going to live with this sense of something's always missing in your life. You realize that if there's nothing here under the sun that can satisfy, then maybe you were created for something more than what's just here under the sun. Here's number three. A third truth is the importance of finding balance in our lives. So there are, and by that, here's what I mean. That there are different seasons in our lives. You know, the, uh, for everything, there's a, a season, a reason under heaven. Back in the 60s, it was made into a song. Turn, turn, turn. And it's become a, a very well-known passage from the book of Ecclesiastes. And so, Solomon bookends life. He said, there's a time to be born, and then there's a time to die. And then there's all this stuff in between. So there's a time to build up, but there's a time to tear down. There's a time to embrace, and then there's a time to refrain from bracing, embracing. There's a time to speak, but then there's a time to be quiet. There's a time to dance and celebrate, and there's a time to grieve and mourn. And so what Solomon is, is teaching us in this as, as we go through that is, you know, if, if all you want to do is be born and, and laugh and talk and dance, there's going to be many seasons in your life where you're miserable. Because there are other seasons. There are seasons of death. We've had many people in this congregation that have been walking with parents through that season of dying. 
It's not easy. It's hard, but it's, it's, it's a season of life that we care about people and we live in relationship with people, with those we love. And it's, it's a hard, but it, in some ways, it's a good season for us. There's times of weeping. There's times where we just be quiet and we're silent. And you turn the radio off and you quit talking and you just get away and you get alone. It's a time for that. Yeah, there's a time to laugh, but there's also a time to mourn. There are things you learn in the house of mourning that you don't learn in the house of feasting, as Solomon would tell us. So the impact, if you're looking for a life of of contentment and rest throughout your whole life, you're going to have to realize that there are different seasons of your life. Some are going to be fun. Some are not going to be so fun. But some of the not-so-fun ones are going to be deep and you're going to learn things about life and there's going to be a a richness in that if, if we don't fight it, if we're open to the different seasons of our life. As Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in every season of my life. He says, I've been in times where I had lots and then I've learned to be content there. I've also had seasons where, boy, things are really, I was really hard up, but I've learned to be content in that season as well. Importance of balance. Here's another one. This one's big. Accept the temporary injustice in life. Uh, This one has shipwrecked many people's faith or even wanting to pursue God. There are many people that won't even give God a chance in their life because something happened Very, very common. There's, there's so much injustice in our world. I mean, you read about these ethnic cleansings where rebels come through and they kill men, women, children, brutalize them, and it's just horrific. And you go, how can this happen? Why doesn't God protect these people? Starving. Thousands of children will die today of starvation, just as I speak. Hundreds and hundreds. In the time it gives me to make this message, what? What, what's that all about? Shootings. I mean, there's just so much injustice and tragedy and everything that goes on in the world. I remember as a young kid, there was a, a couple, their name was Melvin and, and Amy. And I grew up in a small town and they were, like, they were like the pillars in this church. Amy played the organ for 40 years. Maybe it's 50 years, I don't know. She was, as long as I can remember, she played the organ. And and Melvin, you know, he did all the big things. He was the church chairman and the, on the deacon board. And, and they gave to the church. And they were just, they were faithful pillars in the church. And they worked at the little grocery store right across the street. This is back in the day when towns of, you know, 350 people had a grocery store and a hardware store and a gas station. Six days a week from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. at night. They ran this grocery store. <clears throat> and so their, their son went to the Philippines to be a missionary. Came home on the break at age 42, went out in the local town and had a game of tennis with his son and dropped dead of a heart attack on the tennis court. Age 42. I'm going, this, this doesn't, it shouldn't be happening to people like Melvin and Amy. I mean, this... 
This is not how it's supposed to work. You know, you're, you're faithful to God and, and God blesses your family and your children. And, and then the years went by and, and Melvin and Amy, the day finally came when they were retiring from the store and they were going to travel. And finally, you know, after six days a week of faithfully, they sold the grocery store and they were getting ready to head out on their first trip. And somebody got up on a Sunday morning and said, uh, we need to pray. Amy had a stroke last night. She can't talk and she can't walk. She got to the point where on Melvin's arm, she could make it around here and there, a few mumbling words, but not very much. And so they lived out the rest of their years in their little three-room house in Stanfield, never fulfilling any of their dreams they had for retirement. That just still doesn't make sense to me. And so there's a seemingly in, in, you know, something in life where things, people don't get rewarded for what you think they deserve and, and unjust things happen, unjust things happen. And so Solomon does two things. He identifies that reality, but then he interjects also these things like, but don't forget. Don't forget, in the end, in the end, God is going to hold every, call everyone into account. And so what we learn is that there is no injustice in life. There's only delayed justice. There's lots of delayed justice. People get by with things. They seem to get off. You know what? Nobody gets off. That's what Solomon said. Everybody will be accountable for their deeds, for their words, for their actions in the end. And do you know what else? Melvin and Amy will be rewarded in the end for their faithfulness. So we see the inequity and the injustice is a temporary thing in this world that we have to learn to live with. Very, very important if you're going to make sense out of what happens in your life. Next one, wisdom is better than folly. Wisdom talks a lot about doing things right. He says sometimes people seem to do everything right, but things still go wrong. You know, good things happen to bad people. He acknowledges that. But then he also says this. Basically, as a general rule, it's better to live your life out using wisdom than folly. Because people who live out life with wisdom generally do better. Life is going to go better for you if you're living in the wisdom that God has given to you. We see this is a truth. And, and so, unwise decisions, if you remember the message on the fly in the ointment, you know, one bad decision can, can undo a lot of hard work and things that have been created through wise decisions. And so, be careful as you live out your lives about allowing rash moments and unwise decisions to creep into your life because it can have really big impact on your life. God has given us wisdom. It should be one of those things that we're just wholeheartedly pursuing in our lives. The next one, enjoy the gifts God has provided. Enjoy the things that God has provided. Go out and celebrate the anniversary, the birthday, whatever it is. Buy a nice dinner. 
Buy that home that you love. Don't just spend your life working all your life. Enjoy. Take time to enjoy the fruit of your labor, what God has given to you. And acknowledge that it's a gift that God's given to you. If you're healthy, enjoy your health. Enjoy it while you have it. Climb a mountain. Skydive. Do You know, enjoy your health when you have it. If you are uh, blessed financially, enjoy the finances that God has blessed you with. If you have a garden, enjoy your garden. If there's a beautiful sunset, take time to enjoy it. All these little gifts that God has given us. Solomon says, as long as we're here, you know, there's so many things that are fleeting, so enjoy it. If there's a beautiful sunset tonight, just stop the car and sit there and enjoy it. Because you know what? Tomorrow, there may be no sunset like that. Enjoy your life. He, he gives us permission to enjoy the things that God has given to us. And to realize God is pleased. God is pleased when we enjoy the things that he's given to us. He's given us this beautiful world, this amazing creation. Do you know that God gave us this to enjoy it? And so enjoy it. Get out in it. You know, the things that, that you can do to enjoy that. And then lastly, allow for some mystery in life. You know, we always want to figure everything out. We want to get everything in a box. And you just can't put everything in a box. Uh, Look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. So there are those secret things that belong to the Lord. And then there are things God has revealed to us. What that's saying is there are certain things you don't know because God hasn't revealed it. You know, we, can ask, we can ask the questions, but we don't always have the answers because God hasn't revealed everything to us. You know, so we have these things we try and put in boxes. And, you know, how did God create the world? You do it in seven, 24, literal, seven, you know, 24-hour days? You do it in a billion years? Well, we, you know, I believe Genesis has one main point to tell us that God created everything. We don't know exactly how he did it. It's not the purpose of Genesis 1. It's to remind us that everything you see was created by God in an amazing way. You know that, in a powerful way. And so... We have these questions. You know, what about the millions who haven't heard about Christ? How can someone be saved if they haven't heard about Christ? What if they never hear and they die? Well, you know, I think Moses will be in heaven. He didn't. He was before Christ's time. Noah. Lots of people. Rahab. So how how does that work? People... Well, God evidently looked at their faith and, and what he had revealed to them, and in light of Christ, he, he applied in light of Christ's work to their lives. What about people who don't, have never heard about Christ? Does God judge them on the basis of the faith he's given them in light of the work? We don't know how God does that. We know this. God is completely just. God is completely loving, and he will deal with that. But we don't have all the answers 
You know? Will Christians go through the tribulation? I don't know. We have different opinions. All there's these things that we just don't know. Allow for some mystery in your life. Which brings us up to chapter 12. Now you may have some other things you think are really important in the first 11 chapters of this book. And, and that's fine. There are other things that are important. But those are some that just really stood out. And so now we get to the end of the book. We get to chapter 12. This is the last thing. This is kind of the summary. So this is getting important because he's kind of boiling everything down here. And he has some conclusions. This is one of the big ones. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator when you're young. I was thinking about, you know, why doesn't he just say remember your creator? Why does he say in the days of your youth? I, you know, when you're young, you have a lot of energy. And you have your whole life before you. So why not take all of your energy and all of your life and, and remember your creator so you can live it out in, a, in the purpose that he has for you. Also, when you're young, your heart's more open. As we get older, our hearts get harder. And so, remember your creator when you're young, when, when, you're still, when you're still open to truth and open to discovering what is truth. <clears throat> open up your hearts to, to what your creator may have for you. I think when you're young, we're making decisions that are really big. You know, you're going to decide what you, you know, where do you go to school, your professions. You're going to decide kind of your worldview of how you're going to view everything in the world. You're going to decide where you're taking your cues from. Are, are you going to believe, do you think this is really from God? Do you think this is really where wisdom is found? Or is, it, is this outdated and old-fashioned and, and you're just going to follow the, sort things out from what culture is telling you? That's a really big decision. We see that when... We are young, we're making those decisions. And also remember your creator because there's a lot of strong temptation in a lot of different ways when, when you're young. Remember your creator. Now, the word remember there is, you know, my wife says, will you remember to take the garbage out tomorrow? That's not the kind of remember here he's talking about. Um, I'll give you another example. My son-in-law had a birthday Jeff, on Wednesday of this week. And so I could say, you know what? I remember Jeff's birthday this week. I remembered it was on such and such a date on Wednesday. I remembered that that's when his birthday was. That's not what this is talking about. So I will tell you that we remembered Jeff's birthday. And what it means that we remembered his birthday was we had a cake, we had a party, and uh, we had a special meal at our house, and we invite him over. That's what it meant to remember his birthday. That's what it means to remember your creator. Actually, the word that's used, the Hebrew word is zakar, Z-A-K-A-R. And look at what this means. It means wholehearted commitment to love and fear and serve. So here's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, you know what? In light of the fact of how fleeting and short life is, in light of the fact that I've tried it all and it doesn't satisfy. Now, you can walk that road. If you want to try the money road or the sex road or the work road and, and you want to max those things out, I'm just telling you at the end of the road, 
You're not going to find what you're looking for. He says, in light of that, here's my advice from the time you're young. Love and fear and serve your creator. Not, not the creation, the creator. Love and fear and serve your creator. And so he concludes here, and I'll read the, the conclusion, beginning with, with, with verse 9. He writes, not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, of making many books, there's no end, and much study wearies the body. So he says, the words of wisdom I've given you are like goads. You want to see what goads look like? I, I, these, are, these are goads. I don't know about you, but I don't, I'm not sure I like goads. That doesn't look, that doesn't look to be anything comfortable about those those things. And what those are is, that's what the shepherds would use to guide the sheep and the oxen. And when they started veering off the trail, they would, they would use the goads to, to direct them. A little bit of pain as they directed them back on course. And so Solomon says, you know, the wisdom of God is like that. We tend to veer, start veering off on something and and, and God takes his word like a goad to try and redirect us back onto the path that he has for us. Or he says, my, my wisdom is like a, a well-embedded nail. And back then they would have probably like a wooden peg in the wall. And they were strong. And so you can hang your cloak on it. It's something you can hang your life on and it will support you. Those are the pictures here. Of, of wisdom. And then he writes this, and this is the last thing he writes. He says, now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commands. That's, that's my advice to Solomon. Fear God and keep his commands. So that, that would be a good question for each of us to ask ourselves. Do we are we living in fear of God and do we keep his commands? And last week I, I, I started to make the point, I want to finish it this morning, that to fear God, you know what it means to fear God? I think it's always important to qualify that because there's a lot of people that are afraid of God. That's why they don't show up in churches. Because they're... I think we all know, as the Bible says, that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I think everybody knows that. I've never run into a person, uh, when we go out and share the gospel with people and revive, and the first verse says, all have sinned. Everybody, I've never had anybody that says, not me. Never. You know, what people don't like is that you think you're better than they are. That's what people don't like. But everybody knows they've sinned. And so we see here that and because of that, we have this inherent sense that since we've sinned against God, we, we have this inherent sense inside of us that something's wrong and that we could be in trouble. And 
The truth is we are. We are in trouble because we have sin against God. And the second verse in the gospel is that the wages of sin is death. That's a big problem. The wages of my sin is death, so we are in trouble. And so people avoid the church because they think, you know what? I already know I'm in trouble. All I'm going to do is walk into that place and I'm going to feel like I'm in more trouble. And somebody's going to stand up there and and tell me how much worse I am than I already know. That's why the church is supposed to be a place where preeminent is the gospel because the gospel is the good news that even though we have sinned and the wages of our sin is death, that God has demonstrated love in offering us life to replace the sin and the death. And so when it says to fear God, it's not saying to be afraid of God. It's saying, as I mentioned last time, it's to be, it's to be amazed at God. To fear God is to have this, just, it's just to see him for who he is. And so to see God for who he is, to see that he is, first of all, he's amazing in what he's done. Just open up your eyes and look around you. Secondly, as I mentioned last week, it's that God is an extremely generous God, way more generous than we could ever imagine, that God is a very purposeful God, that he has a specific purpose for our lives, and that has to do with a relationship with him. And this morning, I want to share, this means that The greatest thing that should put us in the greatest awe of God, the greatest fear of God, awe, fear, reverence, being amazed, they're they're all the same terms here. What should amaze us the most is the love of God. Paul said, the greatest of these is love. The Bible says, God not only has love, he is love. And so, we see here that when he said, live in awe of God, we should be living in awe of, of the love of God. And when he said to remember your creator in this way, I want to just show you one thing as we conclude. Listen to these words. When, when God says, remember your creator, listen to these words. He is the image of, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He's talking about our creator. Who is that? It's Christ. When he says, remember, when Psalm, and even though he didn't know it at the time, when he says, remember your creator, He's talking about Christ. He's talking about remembering Christ. Uh, John writes the same thing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. When Solomon says, remember your creator, when I challenge you, the most important thing in your life is to remember your creator. We're not just talking about your creator, Father God. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who is the one through whom everything was created. Everything that exists. 
the one who went to that cross, the one who demonstrated the love of God. And so the Bible says, he who gave not up, you know, he who gave you his own son, you know, will he not freely with him give you all things? So to live out this Christian life is, is to, to live in awe of the love and, and the, the amazing characteristics of God and ultimately the love that he has for you. It's to live in that in such a way that, of course, you want to follow his commands. Why wouldn't you? If God would give you his own son, wouldn't he also show you how, how to live out the rest of your life? And so in this day, as we talk about meaning in life, as we talk about finding meaning in this fleeting life under the sun. Today, people say, you know what I want? I want freedom. And that's why a lot of people don't believe in a God or they, they believe he's out there. They don't believe that God has any connection with their life. Because if God doesn't exist, then you're free to do your own thing. But you know what the consequence of that is? When you say there's no God, now you're saying there's no meaning in life. What, what meaning is there apart from an eternal God? You're just here for a few years. We live, we die. People hurt each other. People do evil things. There's tragedies, there's wars. And in a few years, it's done. It's gone. That, there is no meaning beyond that. And so the word logos means the reason for something. The logos for something is the reason for it. What's the purpose for it? And the Greek philosophers used to, they used to debate this and, and many of them came to the conclusion that there was no logos for life. There was no real meaning or purpose for life. And so I, I want to conclude with these verses again from John and I'm going to read it. I'm going to put the, the literal word that's in here. In the beginning was the logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. He was with God in the beginning. In other words, in the beginning was the reason for life, the meaning for life. And you know where you find that meaning in life? You find it in the Logos, the living word, the person of Jesus Christ. What a great place to end this book. To just come to the understanding that everything that you and I are searching for in life, the meaning, the reason, the purpose for life is found in the Logos. The Logos is the word and in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And Jesus was with God in the beginning. And in him was life. Was life. That's what you're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. We're looking for life. And God's offering it to us in the person of Christ. Father, this morning we thank you for uh, just a really amazing book. And we thank you for, there's so many amazing things about you about what you've done and about who you are and about your power and your creativity and, and just so many things. But the most amazing thing 
is that while we were yet sinners, that Christ, the Logos, died for us so that we might find out the meaning of life and the purpose of life. That you went to that cross and you died for those sins and you paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so we can be restored, so we can be in a relationship with you. And in that relationship with you, discover life not under the sun but outside the sun. That we can find life that's eternal. So Father, I pray for everyone in this place today. I, I pray that my prayer would be that, that no one would walk out of this place without life. The life that comes through simple faith in the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Father, the faith and the life that comes by just inviting you to give us this life that you promised. And so... Uh, Lord, just do your work in us. We thank you for this book. We thank you for all that we've learned, all that you've revealed to us. And we are, uh, Father, we thank you that we can live our lives with the meaning that Christ gives to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. A couple things. Uh, If you're interested in life and you don't have it, talk to somebody. And they'll share with you the, the great meaning that God has for you in Christ. Secondly, uh, we just invite you to hang around. We have some treats and coffee back through the